let's go to the first book in our Bible, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. You may recall there were some verses in in chapter 2 that I put on hold. I want to return to those now. I want these verses fresh in our mind when we do begin chapter 3, which I thought we were going to do, but then I got hung up in these verses. So Genesis chapter 2, let's begin by reading verses 15 through 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So for the last three weeks we've been considering the creation of Adam and Eve and making some marriage applications along the way with that. But in this set of verses, we're now rewinding to before Eve was made. And so we see in in verse 15, before Eve was created, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. He put him there. And at this point in Adam's life, he's right with God. He's walking in harmony with God. He's perfect. He's maintaining fellowship. He's being being right with the Father and having that right relationship with Him. We see that God then places Him where He needs to be. Where God wants Him to be. Now I thank God when a person is desirous to know His will for their life. Amen. Amen. That's a good thing. It's good to be filled with all wisdom and understanding of the will of God. It is right for you to pursue the will of God in this life. Now, we already know much of the will of God. Amen? A lot of it's already been revealed. We know that it is our sanctification. It is our salvation. It is to give thanks to God. These things are clearly stated in the Bible. That's just for beginners. And we know that those are the will of God for our life. But how about what God specifically has for you individually? What does He want you to do in this life? Pursue that. It's right. It's good for you to find that out and to do it. Well, first, you begin by doing the revealed will of God for your life. Those things that God's Word already says. You, you begin to do those things and you do them faithfully. And the important thing in this phase is to make sure you're not getting so focused on what lies in front of you that you lose sight of doing what it is God's called you to do now. Amen. But what you're doing now, you may think deep down, this isn't really what God has for me. You just keep doing what God has for you to do right now. And then God is going to reveal that as you go. Then as you're daily walking with God and you're seeking after God, in time God's going to make it plain to you what He specifically wants you to do in this life. And God will actually place you right where He wants you. Just as He places Adam in the Garden of Eden. And it will be so clear when it happens. As you become crowded to Christ, God begins to crowd you to where He wants you. And it's almost like you are being forced into it. Are you hearing me, young people? You're seeking for God's will. You want to know what it is? It's almost as if it's being forced upon you. And out of all the earth's landmass at this time, God specifically had Adam to be right there in the Garden of Eden. He was right where God wanted him. He placed him there. 
And it'll feel that way when you finally have God's will for your life. As I walked with God during my military career, I knew God had something else for me. And over the years, God began to make it clear He wanted me right here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I won't take the time to give you my testimony again, but it was so undeniable that had I taken a different direction in life, I know deep down I would have been living in disobedience to God. And that's how it'll be. God very definitely places us. I mean, do you honestly think I would have chosen to be a pastor? No way. All kidding aside, I I am so grateful God has placed me where He wanted me. Because there is such a peace knowing that you're exactly where God has put you. 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The Apostle Paul understood it was the Lord who placed him into His will. But don't miss the fact that God had to first count Paul faithful. That goes back to what I just said. You need to be daily doing those things that we already know to be doing if you want God to reveal more to you. And then God enables you for the task. He, or in other words, He gives you the strength to do the task. I feel so inadequate being a pastor. And that's maybe a good thing. But in that inadequacy, I have to remember that God is the one who enables God is the one who gives strength to perform His will. And I know from my own experience, God will do that for you as well. When you say you can, God always can. And He will. He will. So here's Adam. He's being placed into the Garden of Eden. It is clearly God's will for his life. He has no doubts about it. And then we see the specific task God has for Adam. He was to dress it and to keep it. Sorry, I was picturing clothes on trees. To to dress literally means to work. The Hebrew word is first used in verse 5 where we read, there was no man to till the ground. To till is the same as to dress and it means to serve. So there was work which needed to be done even in this state of perfection and innocence in the Garden of Eden. There would be things like pruning, Tilling would come along, and whatever comes along with tending to a garden. Amen. I I live in South Dakota now, so I have no idea. I can't get anything to grow out here. Uh, Maybe some of you in the hills, I don't know. Um, We got these trees that look pitiful. They are dead or three feet high, and they won't do anything. So we are created to work, we see. Even before the fall of mankind, we were created to work and to serve. Remember that we have been created in the likeness and image of God. And since He worked six days and rested one... We're supposed to do the same. You see, man was never intended to live a life of idleness. Slothfulness is a sin. And because this is before sin, Adam wasn't just sitting around in the shade drinking lemonade, hanging out in his hammock in the cool breezes. (laughs) But he was working. He had a work to do. Now, because this was before sin entered the world, it wasn't laborious. Amen. It was, it was not without, it didn't have toil. You weren't fatigued. Uh, you weren't troubled. There's no sorrow, no sweat. There were no weeds yet upon the ground. All of that's going to be a result of what happens later in chapter 3. But at this point, work was enjoyable. Men say, man, I just don't like my job. Of course you don't. 
It's part of the curse. Somebody said, well, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. You'll still work. I can tell you that as pastor. I'm doing what I love. It is work. It is work. (laughs) If you do it right. Now, not only was Adam to dress the garden, but he was also commanded to keep the garden which he had planted. And this means he was to protect it, to guard it, to hedge about it. And I would imagine Adam had to keep some of the beast out of the field or from the field into the garden. Keep those out that would come in and graze everything down. And, and because this was, again, before sin, this wouldn't have been burdensome to do. Uh, in all of this, we find that Adam had work if he were to continue to eat. Therefore, God's principle of man working to provide for his own family existed all the way back before sin entered the world. Now, after sin entered the world, man's been bucking against God's plan ever since. Playing Xbox in the basement at the age of 30. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. That'd be a good public policy for today. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I covered all that a few weeks ago when we were in the early verses of this chapter, so let's move on. But work was from the beginning, amen. Just embrace it. If God blesses you to retire one day, that's between you and God, but just embrace it in the meantime. Amen. And now in verses 16 and 17, we get God's command to Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So in verse 16, we find the recompense for Adam's work was being able to eat of the trees which he dressed and he kept within the Garden of Eden. What we find is that God will faithfully reward his faithful servants. Amen. Listen, he takes care of his own. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Ecclesiastes 2.24 There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. And you'll find similar statements in Ecclesiastes in chapters 3, 5, and 8. And, And listen, there's a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment when you are rewarded for your work. I mean, are you going to work not to get paid? Come and see me if you are. We could use you here. <laughs> it's probably a better work environment. I don't know. I don't know, brother. You know, often this is why those who are given everything in life, they have no dignity and ownership. Or they're never happy with what they have. Never content. Why? Because they've never, enjoyed, they've never learned to enjoy the good of their labor. So God says to Adam, you can eat from any tree you please. But then he says in verse 17, there's one tree that I don't want you to eat from. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 16, the first command here is one of permission. Thou mayest freely eat. The second command in verse 17 is one of prohibition. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt not eat. I'm glad God never hides His word from us. He doesn't make the Christian life 
a mystery. He's not saying just figure it out as you go. God is always open and honest and He never hides truth from us. God has clearly laid out the way for you. He's even saying this is the way, walk ye in it. Now why this command from God? Why even have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You ever wondered that? I sure have. Why this tree? I mean, what was God thinking? Why would he put a tree of knowledge of good and evil if man's going to eat from it and ruin everything by bringing sin into the world? Why would, why would God even plant this tree and say you can't eat of it or you're going to die? Wouldn't it make more sense just to not even have the tree to begin with? Well, let's dig into this. It's important we understand. First, there is the issue of learning to fear God. Connected with the tree was death. And looking at this tree, it should have caused them to have fear of God. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Also, there's the issue of dependency upon God. The accountability that we have to God. Because man was created by God, he is dependent upon God. And because man was created by God, he is accountable to his creator. Adam, and now all of mankind for that matter, need to realize there is a higher power in God who we are all ultimately accountable to. And this tree was a reminder, you're still dependent upon me. And you're not the ultimate authority. You still report to me. You're still accountable to me. God may have given man dominion over his creation, but man was still accountable to God. And mankind is is meant to recognize that God is sovereign. And that because of knowing who God is, that is then to regulate our conduct accordingly. Right? We are under authority. Looking at this tree is to remind them, hey, there's somebody higher than you. There's somebody else that you need to learn to be obedient to. Don't eat from it. You need to learn to be obedient. We all need to learn obedience to the one higher than us. You see, Adam was merely exercising delegated authority on the behalf of his sovereign ruler. So this was a matter of the clay living in subjection to the potter. You hear what I'm saying? Because we're setting the table here for chapter 3. Would man submit his will to God's will? That's the question. And that's why this tree's there. Which leads to the second point. God put this forbidden tree there, or maybe the third, I don't know, I'm losing track. God put this forbidden tree there to show us all that mankind has a free will to choose. And if the hyper-Calvinists would just get a hold of that, maybe it would help their doctrine. It's right here in the beginning. There was a choice that they could make. There was not irresistible grace to keep them away from the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's amazing if we just let the word of God speak. God put this tree there to show you have a choice to make. You can either obey my law and receive my blessings, or you can reject my law and reject my blessings. Ultimately, God is setting a choice before Adam. You have a choice between life and death. God wanted man to choose life. 
to choose to love him for who God is. Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord thy God swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. You understand that life and death has been set before us this morning. We have a choice to make. And the plea from God is that we would choose life. And connected with that choice of life, there in Deuteronomy is the choice to love God. God created mankind with a choice because He wanted a part of His creation to choose to love Him. Amen? Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. God wants us to love Him, but we learn from this that love demands a choice. Without a choice, there's no real love. Love must have an option. If Adrian married me and I was the only man on earth, I may begin to wonder, does she marry me because I'm the last guy? Does she really love me? But since there was about three billion other dudes on the planet... I know she loves me. She chose. Let me just throw this in there for what it's worth. As your marriage goes on, you're going to have to make the choice to love. God never forces His love upon us, and He doesn't force us to love Him. He gives us the choice. He demonstrates His love. Amen? But you have a choice. And God made it clear here with this tree. You can love me or you can die. And that's why this tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because Adam, if you take part, if you partake of this tree, you are willingly choosing evil over good. So this is all here a matter of accountability to God, dependence upon God, obedience to God. It's a matter of willingly submitting to God's command because we love Him. How many of you hated your dad's commands growing up? Some people hate it so much. But then maybe the day comes that even though you hated all those commands, now all of a sudden dad didn't look so stupid. And you begin to to follow those things because now you love your father. And that's what God wants from us. Amen. He wants us to follow his commands because we love him. I'm, I'm going to say more about that as we go, I believe. So to eat from this tree was to willingly rebel against God and his goodness. Are you a sinner? Then you have chosen to willingly rebel against God. Now, upon reading these two verses, some people will immediately jump to the conclusion, God isn't fair. But wait a minute, what did God just say? Out of all the trees thou mayest freely eat, 
God just isn't fair. How many trees do you think there were to eat from? There had to be. I did an internet search, amen? I went to Dr. Bing and this is what he told me. There are 20,000, over 20,000 edible trees, plants, stuff like that. 20,000. The point is, can you imagine? God said, don't eat from this tree. But clearly there was much more Adam could eat from than he couldn't. Right? And of all that was available for him to eat from, only one was forbidden. That sure doesn't sound like an unfair God to me. This sounds like a pretty gracious God to me. But what many people do is they'll often focus their attention negatively on what is prohibited rather than what is positive, positively given to us. And people look at the negative side of which they are not allowed to partake of rather than seeing I can freely do all of this, they only view what they're commanded not to do. And to those who choose to think this way, they become discontent with God and their Christianity. And God is viewed as somebody who is unfair. He's mean. He doesn't care. Instead of understanding how good God actually is. And then what happens is Christianity becomes nothing more than a list of do's and don'ts. Never understanding that God's commandments are for our good. Our parents, they set boundaries for us for our good. But many of us only saw what we couldn't do. Dad said, don't go down the road and ride that guy's motorcycle. So I did. I crashed it. And I still have the scar on my knee. As a reminder. My dad was wise. I guess he knew I couldn't handle a bicycle, amen, but whatever. They set boundaries for us for our good. But many see only what they can't do. Well, I can't wait to get out on my own and do what I want to do. And sadly, when that happens, when many first get their first taste of independence, they begin to indulge in all manner of sinfulness. They're going outside of the boundaries that their parents set for them and what hopefully they try to raise them in, in in God's house and God's Word to say, don't go beyond this. Deuteronomy 10, 12-13, it says, And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and His statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. His commandments are for our good. You don't have to rebel against that. It's good. And I began to wonder, what are the thoughts of your heart today? Now, I want to ask it of all of you, but I especially want our young people to be engaged. Those of you still in the house, those younger adults, are there thoughts which have entered your heart? And they're trying to convince you that somehow God is holding you back. Somehow God is against you. Maybe you feel like you can never do anything. God is always trying to take the fun out of life. He's always trying to spoil all the enjoyment. There's this one thing right over there that I just got to have, but they keep telling me not to. I got to have it. 
And you think, you know what? I'm going to give up all this Christianity stuff. I don't like being held down. I don't like that I have to come in here. My parents dragged me here. Thank God they are. I don't like coming in here, and I can't wait to get away from all of this. Perhaps you feel like God in the church is keeping you from how life is really supposed to be. It's just so restrictive. This is so annoying. This is robbing me of so much in my life. And now you're dreaming dreaming about life out there. And you think, I'm just missing out on all that life has to offer. You see it on the television, it's on the internet, it's on social media. And you think all those people out there are having such a great time at the bars and the clubs. But the liquor industry never shows you their best customers. They don't show the drunkard who's laid out in the gutter. They don't show the woman who's knocked up the next day. They don't show the one that's been raped. You see, but you see all that and you think, man, I just can't wait to get out there. I can't wait to enjoy life and i got to come in here and it's rules, rules, rules. Listen to me, please. Satan wants you to think there is something better to eat from out there. Something that will benefit you more. It will make you more happy. It will give you more fulfillment in this life. And all you can see is that one tree that you're not allowed to eat from. And so you think you've got to get away from God. You think God is opposed to your best interests and happiness. You think God is just so unfair and you're beginning to doubt His goodness. Some young people, they're just waiting and they're eager to get out there and start living it up. But most of you, you've had enough religion that you still want God to smile on you enough to let you into heaven but you want to have your sin at the same time. And we've got churches full of people that have made professions of faith and they're nothing but sinners the rest of the week. Let me live it up. I don't want to be chained to Christianity anymore. (laughs) I got news for you. You're not the first person to feel that way. I forgot this was an independent Baptist church. (laughs) Hey, we were all young once too. And all that we had to learn the hard way, we're trying to show you it's not worth it. You don't want to enter into marriage with those regrets. Whatever the case. Don't get so focused on that one tree over there that you miss the 20,000 others that you can eat from. That which God has blessed you with. Don't miss all that you have in Christ. Learn that God has given us so much more than we deserve. In the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are 10,000 charms. Listen, God is not against you this morning. Died for you. Bled for you. Was tortured for you. How dare you ever say, God doesn't love me. Yes, He does. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. His commandments are for your safety. Can we really say that God's commandments are so restrictive that we would want to turn away from God? 
I want you to get this. In reality, what we find in our text is that there is liberty or freedom when we are in obedience to God and His commands. God said, Thou mayest freely eat. Psalm 119.45 And I will walk at liberty, for I seek Thy precepts. Before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, they were walking at liberty. Satan wants to convince you that there is only bondage being in Christ. Well, they never get to have any fun. Sorry, there probably are some churches like that. But, um, I have fun a lot. Amen. Usually it's just me up here laughing, but I'm having fun. I want to tell you there's liberty for the child of God. After the fall of mankind in chapter 3, liberty is going to be replaced with captivity. But in Christ, we can be made free from sin's captivity. Luke chapter 4, 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus reading from Isaiah, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus came to give us liberty. Give us freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom in Christ. Satan's going to tempt you to go after this substance or that substance or this person or that person. He's not going to show you the end of that thing. You see, God, he's, He's up front with you, He's honest with you, and He says, if you do this, you will surely die. Satan doesn't want you to know that. And so the packaging looks good, but the end of it's bitterness, it's captivity. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And those who the Son makes free, they'll be free indeed. Amen. God doesn't want us to be in bondage. God's desire for Adam was to stand fast in the liberty that he had, that he had been given from God, and all they had to do was not eat from this one tree. You know how it is, because you're a sinner. You know what it's like when somebody says, you can do that, but don't eat that. Right? It starts at the earliest ages. Don't eat from this one tree. God doesn't want us in bondage. He wants us to enjoy liberty through Christ. And all we have to do is this one thing. Love Him. And if we love Him, we will happily keep His commandments. 1 John 5.3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. They're not heavy. They're not weighty. They're not burdensome. They're not hard to bear. They're easy because they're for our good. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, this was not a hard command. God said you can have all you want, but this one, it's not that hard. It wasn't burdensome. It was easy to bear. It was light. And all they had to do was stand fast in the liberty that God had given them 
Listen, it's not too much for God this morning to look at you and say, all I want from you is your love. God just isn't fair. It's not a hard command to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now how can we do this? Well, I'll tell you, the the key is you get your eyes off of that forbidden tree. And you get your eyes on that tree that Christ died on. And you stay focused on the cross. And that's what helps you to stand fast in liberty. Don't go after the forbidden fruit. Don't believe Satan's lies. That if you'll just partake of this tree, you're really going to enjoy life now. I want to tell you this morning, it only leads to death, pain, misery, regret. Just ask some of our older saints in here. They'll be honest with you and they'll tell you Psalm 1611 is true. Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. See, the pleasures aren't found in the world. They're found where Christ is. And if you somehow think this morning that a clean break from Christianity in your future is where it's at, you're going to end up learning the hard way. It'll cost you joy and peace. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.5, but the way of the transgressors is hard. While Psalm 34.8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Which direction are you heading today? I don't know who this is for. I did not want to preach this. But this is for somebody. Get rid of those thoughts that if I just do away with church, if I just do away with Christianity, if I stop reading the Bible, keep your eyes on the cross. Let's pray.